0: you should definitely not do it that way. This is an example of horrible feedback from a peer. In order to be useful, you want your feedback to be direct and actionable and usually a bit friendlier than that unless you're talking to Will and then it's okay. In this episode, we talk about how you can apply the same framework that you use for setting goals, the SMART framework, to providing feedback no matter who you're providing it to. But before we get started, Will, how have you been smart this week?
1: Uh, well,
0: as you know, I was doing contract work.
1: And you notice the past tense of the verb is there. So they let the project manager go Friday off the contract that was on. And I thought, that's not going to work very well with the rest of us. You know, like this guy was holding everything together. And then I found out Monday morning that they actually let the whole team go. So yeah, it's through a recruiting company, sent some emails and uh, text messages around, but I sent a text message to an old friend of mine who I've worked for a couple of times on and off uh, over the years, asking if he knew anybody that needed some work done. And he's like, yeah, me. So by the end of the day, Monday, I already had work. I've gone and set up an LLC. I'm still waiting on all the tax crap. So I am officially self-employed again.
0: Nice. I'm really excited about that for you, man, because that's something you've been wanting. Like, honestly, I guess maybe it happening
1: quickly is probably the only way it was going to happen soon. Yeah. Like, being forced into that. That was a goal I was heading towards. But just, you know, I hadn't hadn't bit the bullet. So, I did this week. So, yeah. I am setting up Windows VMs on my Linux environment currently and uh, fighting Mm -hmm. VirtualBox and some past decisions that I regret. You're using VirtualBox? Yeah.
0: I like VMware. Yeah, I've had mixed. I mean, it's still a VM. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a VM. It's, a VM's a VM, but yeah. But so
1: far, it seems to be working okay. You know, I'm having some difficulty with my old Windows laptop image. Because, it, like, when I made the desktop image, I uninstalled all the stuff I didn't need. I trimmed the file system way down. I shrunk the main partition. Because I was like, if I have to bring this up, it's going to be something small. Well, I didn't do that with the laptop because my thought on the laptop was, hey, Linux may not work and I may have to roll back and I just want the system back. And as a result, that image plus what's on disk on the Linux box currently is too big for them both to live on the same drive. And so I've had to fiddle with it a little bit and try to redo the image on another machine with more space and then shrink it and then move it over. So it's just, it's a little annoying, but I'll get there. So yeah, what's going on with you? Hopefully less drama.
0: I mean, I've had some frustration with the uh, my Windows laptop. Probably going to be moving that over to Linux eventually, though I will at some point need to... I'm sure at some point in the future, I'm going to need to have a Windows box. So I'll probably... I don't know what I'll do. I'll figure something out.
1: Well, if you got enough space, just make a VM.
0: I might do that on the laptop. Probably not because we added all that extra space to it, but probably not the the Mac Mini what I want to do is get a MacBook Pro and then I can, I'll can get that big enough to have the space for a couple of VMs if I need them. Yeah. Anyway, I find it funny that uh, I worked on this episode and then this week did a, uh, a leadership survey for one of my managers. She's apparently going through leadership training course and this was part of it was sending out the survey to her coworkers. And so, yeah. That was interesting, putting that like, oh, hey, you know, I was pretty honest. I mean, she's a good leader. She's a good manager. It wasn't hard to be honest. You know, I didn't feel like, oh, I'm being mean because I wasn't. I was, but I was honest. I'm like, here's her strengths. Here's our weaknesses, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's really cool. I think that's really a good thing. And interesting that that, that came up when we were doing the episode on feedback. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just sort of a little ironic there that, uh, that that got sent out and we end up doing this, uh, this episode. Saving money is hard, especially when you have to uh, re-image machines and possibly buy a uh, new hard drive.
1: Yeah. Lucas Casades is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins,
0: Colorado. And just like us here at Complete Developer Podcast, his focus is on helping you not only establish a real plan, but take action so that you can live your best life.
1: Investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances. And with the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself.
0: What's really cool is Level Up has a unique pricing model that's going to help you no matter where you are in your financial journey.
1: Lucas is also a fiduciary for his clients, which means that he's not here to sell
0: you a product, but to help guide you to a better financial situation. Guys, you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics you probably face and interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their careers. You can also learn more at levelupfinancialplanning.com.
1: Feedback is any information, observation, or even opinion about the performance or behavior of another individual or group. It can be formal, as in performance or peer evaluations, or informal, such as with mentoring a junior developer. It is a form of communication designed to provide guidance that helps the other person to grow and achieve their goals.
0: Providing feedback gives insight and identifies areas of improvement. A lot of times it's used to guide those you are leading toward their personal and professional goals. To the person receiving the feedback, though, it can be stressful, especially if it's not all positive. It can also be very stressful for the person who is providing the feedback if they're not confrontational or naturally an assertive person. Having a plan of action when providing feedback not only helps the person receive it better, but also helps the person providing the feedback to get their point across.
1: As feedback is a way to help achieve goals, the technique for creating effective goals, SMART, can also be applied to providing feedback. To review, SMART stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Relevant, and Time-bound. Applying SMART to feedback will
0: better define what you're getting across and make it more actionable. So guys, in this episode, we're going to discuss how you can apply the concepts of SMART goals to providing feedback to others. We'll start with looking at each letter in the acronym and how it applies to your feedback. Then we'll talk about some best practices when giving SMART feedback. And we'll provide some examples of when and how to use SMART feedback. So jumping right in, we're going to talk about applying the SMART framework that we've talked about around goals so much to feedback delivery.
1: Yep. So the first thing is specificity in feedback. In other words, you should clearly state the specific behavior or action that requires the feedback that you're giving.
0: Yeah. You want to use precise language to describe the behavior or action as detailed as you can without... I guess, going overboard, you can get a little too detailed and it's like, all right, yeah, I know what you're getting at. But sometimes we can try not to be offensive or to hurt feelings and we don't get our point across because we're not specific enough.
1: Right. And you know, speaking of which, you want to avoid generalizations or vague statements because it may actually confuse people. Yeah.
0: Part of this is to provide specific examples to illustrate the points being addressed. So like, Not just in what you're telling them, but in the examples you give. Make sure those are specific to the point you're making.
1: Yeah. And you want to offer concrete instances on that, right? So this is something I've noticed in feedback from unsuccessful managers is they'll be like, well, you always do this or and they can't actually point to a situation that actually occurred Mm -hmm. or it's, well, this was a specific situation and doesn't really apply to what you're pointing at. Yeah. It's very frustrating on the receiver side. And the problem is on the person giving the feedback, they don't really know that their feedback is any good either because they don't have something to point at. If that makes sense?
0: Sometimes this came up not too long ago for me where I was talking to one of the other developers. I was like, well, in general, we do this here. We want this to take place in this environment. And he's like, what about this instance where it doesn't? I was like, Let's look at the notes. Let's look at why is that. Ask yourself, when you see something out of place like that, ask yourself, why is that different? So like when you're, you're providing it, sometimes it's like, all right, in general, this is the case. And then if it's different, we have a specific reason for that. One thing that I like to do, especially in a group setting, like a team meeting or something, is to provide an example and narrative on detailed accounts of things so when someone says, "I'm having a problem with this," or when when I'm giving some type of feedback about like the code or something like that in a code review, it's like, "Oh, hey, I see what you're going for here." I remember when I did something similar, I had this issue. Is that what you were trying to get around? Like, see how it's like I'm giving that specific thing. you know, and I, I'll tell a story about the time that it was similar to something that I went through. So that being as detailed as you can, Without losing yourself in the weeds, I should say.
1: Yeah, you don't want to talk about band camp or anything. So you should also have measurability in your feedback. You need to be using objective criteria or metrics to actually assess performance.
0: Identify specific performance indicators that can be quantified, that you can measure. This may be how many bugs were introduced. This may be the time from committing to doing a uh, a story to when it actually gets moved from like to the done. Maybe not all the way to the done, but like from the time the developer takes it to when they hand it over to QA, that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, or how long it hangs out in a particular column in the Kanban board. Those kind of things. I will also say too, there is a tendency to say, well, I can't quantify this thing. Right? You'll hear people say that when you point out, hey, this is not a quantifiable thing that you're saying. And that's all well and good. But if it's not quantifiable, then how do you know it's a problem? Like It's affecting something somewhere down the line that is quantifiable. So you may have to like move it off one level of of abstraction or something. But you you can't just get away with going, oh, well, I I can't quantify that, but it's still a problem.
0: Yeah, because it can be quantified. It's just like you said, the root may not be quantifiable, but what happens down the line is.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I've seen a situation where there was a guy that was a sales guy and they said, Oh, you're too abrasive with customers. That's not quantifiable. Right. But if they go, Hey, they look at his sales and his sales are not as good as they should be or they're declining, then that is quantifiable. On the other hand, if you say, Hey, he's too abrasive and it turns out that his primary audience is ex Marine truck drivers who actually like that and his sales are increasing, that's the other reason you want to go for an actual measure so that you can. Prove that this is a problem versus, you know, it's feelings.
0: Provide specific feedback on measurable aspects of the person who you're talking to of their work. You can focus on specific areas or tasks where performance can be objectively evaluated.
1: Yeah. And in this case, you should be highlighting achievements and or areas for improvement that can be measured or tracked. I think that's got a little subtle point in there, too, is is the achievements have to be measurable as well.
0: Like how do you track that? And it reminds me of a conversation I had with my manager about uh, my annual review one time. I was trying to go for like kind of the above and beyond level. and she was like, "I really wanted to give it to you, but I didn't have the metrics. like I knew you had done a lot of stuff and gone above and beyond, but I didn't have any any identifiable way to do that so we actually sat down and mapped out a plan for the next review cycle on hey how do I show a quantifiable way that I have done something
1: yeah and this is also helpful for the person you know being measured too is to actually have that conversation and to be comfortable with your manager going hey what's the thing that they're valuing when they're evaluating me because you get that wrong it doesn't matter how hard you work you're going in the wrong direction which leads into the next point. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I'll say that. that's where I was going with it. Next is achievability and feedback. You have to be able to, to accomplish it. You need to set realistic expectations for improvement or development. And that's what that conversation that I just referenced was about. It was, hey, you're doing these things. You're doing these things that are above and beyond your role here. You're acting more like a lead than you know, a senior developer. And so we just need to quantify that. We need to be able to measure that and show, hey, this is, you're going above and beyond your job role. Your expectations are here. Let's set these higher expectations or like for yourself, set higher expectations to get that higher rating.
1: Yeah, of course, you also have to do that with consideration to the person's abilities, their skills and their developmental stage, right? Cause like you don't want to be telling a junior dev, hey, you know, we're gonna evaluate you based on how well you manage a team.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was a thing with that conversation. It was, you know, hey, you're already doing these things. So let me show you what the expectation is at that level. Then we can start going, all right, here's how you can you can show quantifiable, I did these things that are actually at the next level. That helped to establish goals and targets that were challenging but attainable. I was already doing a lot of it, but then it was like, all right, you're doing it now. Let's measure it. And now let's like, here's the next step on that to really get that above and beyond, which was what I was going for. I'm always going for above and beyond, but except for when I start a new job that I'm just going for, Hey, let me, let me not drown. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but after about the first year or two, I'm always like, all right, cause I have this attitude, little side note here. I have this attitude that if I am shooting for like above and beyond, like, exceeds expectations or whatever the level is on the review. If I'm shooting for that and something comes up and I'm like, I fall back or like, I'm not able to get it, then I am comfortably in the where I should be range. I'm not struggling to get where I should be. I'm comfortably like at the top of that range.
1: Yeah. Again, assuming your manager gives smart feedback. I have worked in a couple of environments where like if you did above and beyond and then you happen to fall down one day, they just assumed it was intentional.
0: That also tells you something. It's like you should go above and beyond elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we call a toxic work environment. I've worked in places like that in the past, too. I'm kind of hesitant to get near any place like that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you really want to have the actual achievable steps for growth, right? The person needs to know, okay, what do I need to do next in order to continue to grow? Because I, I remember. The first time I got stuck in a managerial role, the person who put me in that position did not train me, did not prepare me for that role, just said, yep, you're a manager. And it was like this mysterious thing that I just got dropped into. And I was being evaluated on stuff that I literally was never told what I was evaluated on. And you really don't want to do that to somebody because not only are they going to fail, but they're going to manage extremely stupidly that's how you get like the horrible manager stories is.
0: I think that's just like normal because that's exactly what happened to me. My first time in management, I was just thrown at it. I mean, no training whatsoever. And then like when I didn't do something the proper way, and this was before I was even in tech. This was, Oh, before I went to med school, this was like five or six years before I went to med school. So this was like a long, long time ago. But, uh, Yeah, like I remember I didn't do something the right way and I got chewed out for it. I'm like, I did what I saw other people doing, but I didn't know, like I saw the tip of the iceberg. I didn't know what was going on behind the scenes with that.
1: Right. And it's always like paperwork stuff too.
0: Yeah, it was. And I'm like, if you had told me, I would have done it. But nobody told me I needed to do that. Yeah. I was getting yelled at for that. And that's when I was like, yep. All right. So I turned in my two week notice after that. I'm like, this is not good. This is not healthy. And yeah, I'm glad I got out of that environment.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Well, and the other thing that's, that's kind of rough too is when you have certain steps in your career like that, where like jumping from being a regular employee to being a manager, like that's almost like a phase shift. And that is not a granular enough objective. Like you actually want to be breaking this stuff down into manageable tasks or milestones. So like if you're going to move somebody up into management you let them kind of lead some stuff. You let them lead some meetings. You let them cover for you when you're not there. Those kind of things. Like you, you kind of have to soften that up a little bit and give them something to chew on that they don't choke on.
0: A, a big thing with a lot of this with feedback that's different from setting your goals is with feedback, you're working with the other person. So you're taking this smart framework that we use for setting personal goals and we're applying it to helping another person out. And so you have to work collaboratively with them to identify these actionable steps. And the reason you have to do that is because what may seem blatantly obvious to you or I doesn't make any sense to someone else. We know this, we've mentored people and we're like, it's very clear. It's completely obvious. This is what you need to do. And to them, it made no sense. And I can tell you this, if it doesn't make sense to the person...
1: Yeah, they're not going to do it.
0: Unless they have absolute trust in you, they're not going to do it. Now, there have been times when I was like told just to do something and it didn't make any sense to me, but I trusted the person who told me that enough where I did it anyway. (laughs) Like Lambda functions? (laughs) Yeah, like Lambda functions. That's exactly what I was thinking about when I said that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so unless they have like this really, like you've built up that trust through collaboration, if they don't understand it, they're not going to do it. Even if they agree to it, they may still not do it.
1: Yeah, or they'll do it wrong. They'll, They'll misinterpret your words. I mean, that's the other thing too. It's a common problem. Like you do see this in tech all the time. So... Let's also talk about relevance in feedback. You really want to align feedback with the recipient's goals and their responsibilities. So one of the gigs I had that went really well, the owner of the company recognized that I was entrepreneurial and he was like, I've dealt with people like you before. Like I can't just go, Oh, you're going to be a senior dev and you're going to lead a team of developers. It's like, that's not going to be enough for you. And so that, the way that he structured things was to put me more on an entrepreneurial track while doing that other stuff. So I I got a lot more of the why, if that makes sense. And that relevance made the feedback easier to take because he was also fairly abrasive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Cause you, you want it to relate to the job role, but also to their personal objectives too. another side story. When I, when we, well, I'd, we had the podcast and then I started this job, but I had a job once where I had a lead developer who whenever he wanted me to research something for work, he would say, Hey, this would make a really good podcast topic.
1: I have got a couple of friends like that. Yeah. Yeah. And hi, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Since you like shout outs, brother,
0: (laughs) you know, Cody. So you remember him. I haven't talked to him for a while. I need to need to reach out to him. He's a cool guy. But, uh, he would. He would literally, we'd go out to lunch and be like, hey, man, this make a really cool, we get into a conversation, Like, can make a really cool podcast topic. You guys should do one on that. I was like, yeah, yeah, we should. And then I have like all this information from writing up the episode.
1: And then you're doing that at work, like two weeks later, you're like, hold on a minute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was like, I learned early that the best way to get you to research something was to tell you to make a good podcast episode. He's like, you'd spend your own time working on it.
1: Well, and you'd be more thorough right because and you would have to like look at it from a deep level where you could actually explain it to other people that's something else as far as the relevance is that's also playing to your strengths right that's something that your employers notice uh, fairly frequently is they're like hey he's really good at converting tech speak into something other people can consume and so there's also relevance from that perspective
0: yeah so the final one is time bound and so You want to provide feedback within a reasonable time frame. Larger organizations uh, tend to have more structure around this. Like where I work, we have an annual review, but then we have pretty much quarterly reviews. Uh, They're not called quarterly reviews, but they're called interims, but there's three of them and then the annual. So it's basically once a quarter. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, you're
1: evenly spaced that by definition is actually how that works. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, and they are for the most part. So yeah, but then the other thing is, if it's feedback on a specific behavior, you want to give that right away. Maybe not exactly in the instance when it happens. You might want to let things cool down some first.
1: Yeah, depending on what it is.
0: Yeah, you don't want to be like wait two months and then bring it up.
1: That said, I have found it been that it's been somewhat useful if somebody gets really frustrated by a situation to let them simmer in it for a little bit and then as soon as they cool down go hey here's a better way to handle that especially if it's a coding related thing not necessarily like interpersonal you just got to watch the ego because it's going to be in the room with you <laughs> you know and
0: a lot of times one thing that i i've actually recently been complimented on this is the way that i i lead my team where If I see them struggling, I don't really force them to jump on a call and stuff like that. It's like, all right. I'm like, hey, do you want to? I offer assistance and we're developers. We like to solve problems. Sometimes it's like, hey, I just need to spend a little bit more time on this because it's something I haven't seen before. I'm like, all right, you take your time. You get stuck. Let me know. And then if they're still stuck on it and haven't reached out, then I'll be like, hey, what's going on with this? How's that going? Where, Where are you with it? get a feel for it. And sometimes like they'll tell me, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what's going on. I can be like, hey, how did it work when you tried this? And they're like, oh, I haven't tried that. And so it's doing this in a timely fashion, but it's not like immediate. Like Time-bound doesn't mean do it right away. Time-bound means do it in the right time frame.
1: is what I'm getting at. You should also establish deadlines or milestones for progress and improvement. So you kind of need to have like clear timelines and checkpoints for looking at progress and discussing the outcome of the feedback. So like in your example, for instance, they get stuck. It's like, hey, that's fine. You got to learn how to get unstuck if you're a dev anyway, and you got to continually keep that skill up. But you can't get stuck and stay there a week in most places.
0: Like we have a rotating on-call schedule. And it's always interesting when one of us is on call because it's hard to determine, especially if it's not me, if it's like one of the other guys, it's like, it's hard to determine if they're slow because they're stuck on something or they've just got a lot of calls coming in. I get those emails, so I usually know, but sometimes if my email is overloaded and I haven't gone through it in a few hours, I'm like, all right, that should be done already. And then I'll see, oh yeah, there's like three service tickets that came in. So they're probably busy with that. So that happens. All right. So, we've gone through smart and how to apply it to feedback. Now, let's talk about some best practices around smart feedback. And one of the best things, the most important things for you to do is you have to prepare for giving feedback. We talked about the necessity for the measurability and the specificity in this. And so, you need to gather relevant information and specific examples before providing any kind of feedback.
1: Yeah. And that also needs to be accurate and reliable data or evidence related to the behavior performance. So if it's something that you can't really quantify or it's something that doesn't always point to what you're saying, you may not want to include it. Also, on the you know, the thing as far as preparation for feedback, one little thing that sounded like that's what you meant initially, but, but wasn't is the party getting the feedback needs to be prepared for it to to happen. (laughs) You're not trying to get a zebra with a spear here, okay? Like, ambush feedback does not work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You need to let them know that there is going to be some feedback. And part of this is, is setting up a culture of feedback. Like, all right, let's just setting it up to where, okay, when you have to give feedback, it's not out of the blue so my manager for example she and i meet on a regular basis and so if i do something that like you know i mess up or something like that and she needs to talk to me about something unless it's egregious which i don't plan on doing anything like that on purpose or get caught yeah (laughs) but uh she just waits until our next meeting And so I'm not shocked. I'm not taking taken off. It's like, oh, hey, we've got this regular meeting where we we get together and we talk about stuff, you know, and that's when I get positive feedback and like, hey, you're doing a really good job in this and this and this, or hey, you know, here's some areas where you can improve. That is a regular meeting. By having that, I don't dread those meetings.
1: Right. And you also don't dread every other interaction with them because you are going, okay, is this gonna be a good day or or am I gonna get speared with Right. feedback at random Mm -hmm.
0: so you want to be well prepared to deliver clear and specific feedback to do this familiarize yourself with the smart framework what we just went over and how it applies to delivering feedback
1: and you also need to plan the conversation including anticipating potential reactions and responses and by the way this planning it's not just to handle the other person it's also to handle you because it's going to keep you from being emotional and making, you know, incorrect assertions and, and dropping it at the wrong time and those kind of things. Like that's why you want to do this prep up front. It's as much for you as it is for anyone else.
0: Oh, absolutely. Especially if you're having to give some like feedback that may be negative or that you don't agree with. Like it may be coming down from upper management. I had to do that recently where it was something that my my team was doing. We were, we were testing this out. Everybody loved it. But management decided, hey, this is, it may be good for your team, but it's not good for the overall organization. And so we're going to stop it. And as the team lead, I had to bring that to the team. And I had just had a meeting with management and I had to like, between meetings, have a little time and play some piano. I told my manager, she's like, she told me she was impressed with just how positive I was coming into it. Because this was my baby. This was like my idea and stuff. And I was like, I went and played piano for about 10 minutes before the meeting. Cause I had to get my mind in the right mental state. And she's like, it's amazing how that works. But yeah, that happens. Sometimes you have to prepare yourself for that because of doing that. Because I like, cause I haven't always done that. And the reason I did that is because I've done it the other way. And I was really bad is, you know, I came in and I did it the right way and everybody was like, Oh man, I'm disappointed. But, all on board. And it went from this potential, everybody getting mad to everybody like, all right, we're going to work together and we're going to work through this as a team because we help each other out. And it was all in the attitude that it was presented to them with.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, I hate to use this metaphor, but I use it anyway. It's kind of like riding a horse. Like if you're nervous and you're scared and you're tensed up, the horse is going to be that way too. And that's a thousand pound animal. And it's a pretty good metaphor for a team in a lot of respects because you'll get thrown, you'll get trampled and you are actually not big enough to deal with the problem. So you really want to come in there and setting the tone by being prepared is the way you, you actually do that.
0: That's also why I like to ride steel horses. (laughs) No matter how tense you are, there's still steel. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Sorry. I couldn't help myself, man, but no, it actually does apply to riding a motorcycle too. Like if you're like super tense, you're going to, yeah, well, because you're going to make the situation, like it's it's going to radiate out from you. Yeah, it is. That is the way you respond to things. So the next best practice is clarity. You want to use concise and easily understandable language when you're delivering feedback. I mean, we're in tech. We have to use technical language.
1: To a point, yeah.
0: Yeah. If you're talking to a junior developer, you don't really need to be talking about some of the, the stuff going on in AWS world and when you're talking to a junior front-end developer.
1: Yeah. Or another example would be, you know, going, hey, this code is too complex. It's too hard to follow. There's too much going on mm-hmm. in here versus talking about cyclomatic complexity. Yeah. Right. Because you, they hear that, those words and your eyes just glaze over and go, hey, it's just, there's too much going on at the same time. And they mean the same thing unless the junior dev is into that, in which case, yeah, you talk to their level, but
0: uh, no, I would say un- unless you're trying to get the point across that it's too complex by being too complex in your example.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't try <laughs> something like that. It, it's way better to, because you can come up with clever ideas like that and then people don't get it. No, they don't. They don't. Especially if it's any kind of emotional situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You need to be clear and straightforward and avoid jargon. And again, technical terms, as much as possible, there's a lot that we do use, but, you know, try to avoid it as much as possible.
1: And you want to also avoid ambiguity and vagueness in the feedback that you give. It should be unambiguous and there shouldn't be a way to misinterpret it.
0: Yeah. Explicit guidance or suggestions for improvement where applicable because that was in that example I gave before with the manager who was... Guiding me, like I was given very specific. Hey, here are things that you're good at that you can leverage that go above and beyond. It wasn't, oh, hey, you're kind of generally good at talking to people, so you could give a talk. It was, hey, you're good at giving technical talks. Here are some technical topics that you're interested in based on our previous conversations that you could delve into. Here's some things that, like, You've got your pulse on the community, with the podcast and everything. You can go out and find things in this area and bring that back and give a talk on this.
1: Yeah, and double up with podcast research from
0: the. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was very, very explicit, and it was great. I took like lots of notes that day.
1: You also want to be constructive when you give feedback. You should balance positive and constructive feedback. In general, like, you know, be really careful about giving a large amount of just negative because it makes people think they're getting fired or that there's some kind of major personal problem. And a lot of times they won't even listen to you if it's all negative. They'll just go, oh, well, he just didn't like me.
0: Yeah. And it's the way you come across, really. Yeah. Because you can be constructive in a positive manner. Mm -hmm. Like if you are offering suggestions to improve. Be like, hey, you're struggling in this area. I noticed that. Let's work together. Back to that collaborative stuff we were talking earlier. But let's work together. Here's some ideas. Here's some things that you can do. Some things that you can start doing now. I remember when I was, was I a junior developer? Yeah, I was a junior developer. We had a consultant come in. And like, he came up and he was like, you're completely self-taught. I was like, well, I had a mentor. He's like, yeah, but you're self-taught. You didn't go to school for this. I was like, no. He's like, I have some really, really good clean code for someone who like has never been formally trained. He's like, you want to know how to make it better?
1: Yeah. And like he had me. Well, and he and he did that after he'd already kind of established. Yeah. Like, you don't know, just come up to somebody. Cause I've I've had to work with people that have done that too. <laughs> and uh I yeah, what's the phrase? Negative religious experience, I think was the term I used for that particular person. <laughs>
0: yeah when you do give those suggestions, you, you provide specific recommendations like we've talked about the specificity a lot because that's so important in both your goals and your feedback There's a reason that's first, and it's not just because the word smells smart it's because that is the most important part is being specific above everything else you need to be specific because if you're not specific, you really can't do much of the others
1: yeah, and you also need to support people with resources or additional support so you don't just go hey here's how you make it better and then walk away it does need to be a collaboration
0: yeah the next best practice is to remember that this is a dialogue this isn't a podcast you're not talking to them like we're talking to you (laughs) it's like this is like this is also not a dialogue in an Ayn Rand novel yeah (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's true. 30 pages of monologue is not a yeah. dialogue.
0: <laughs> uh, so this is a conversation between right. you and the other person. So you want to encourage that open communication. Use active listening. Like we've had multiple episodes on active listening, and we'll probably have more because Will and I are both really bad at it.
1: Strange way to start a conversation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad at active listening. That's a great way to start a conversation. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you also want to make sure that, that you know, like you said, the environment is safe, which a lot of that you know, boils down to rapport beforehand. If you've got interpersonal problems with this, this person, that's going to limit the amount of dialogue you can actually have with them and the amount of feedback that they're willing to take from you. And part of making that actually work is having uh, the recipient comfortable enough where they can share their perspective, their thoughts, their concerns. Uh, and, you know, bear in mind, too, you may see something that you didn't know you got to enter any kind of conversation like this go hey what if i'm the idiot because there's a non-zero chance of that
0: that's very true that's very true you also a part of building rapport is showing empathy and respect for the other person's feelings and experiences like that's one thing that's like all right sometimes you see stuff especially with when working with junior developers not as much with your mid-level to senior
1: you see different stuff with mid-levels and seniors, but yeah.
0: You see stuff with mid-levels and you're like, oh yeah, man, I remember when I was there. But junior developers, they're so new that it's so creative. Some of the stuff that they come up with and their their lack of understanding. Like I was there, I had some of these things. Will was there, he had some of these things. It was just a very long time ago that he had these things. <laughs> anyway, one thing I've learned with working with them is All right, hey, respect them for where they are in their understanding and work from there because I can look at it and go, All right, you're way off base. That is completely wrong. And I've lost them. But I can see they're way off base and it doesn't make any sense what they're talking about, but it makes sense to them.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times if you ask them to explain it, they'll get about halfway through and go, Oh, crap. And they just turn and walk away <laughs> and go fix it. <laughs> yeah. And I've had plenty of those kind of conversations. I actually, the guy I'm, I'm doing contract work for is one of my mentors, uh, you know, from way back in the day. And we were kind of talking about some of this stuff. It's like, sometimes you just got to let them hit the wall a little bit and then discuss the position of the wall until they see it. And you know, that's all you can do. But yeah, it starts with empathy and respect. If you don't have those, you will not be able to do this.
0: And finally, one we've hit on a little bit already, but that is follow-up and support. You need to monitor their progress and continually provide support for them.
1: Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean just sitting with them, right? Like, it's probably more like just regularly checking in.
0: Yeah. Like I said, like my manager and I, we have regular meetings. And if I'm working on something, some type of improvement thing where it's like, oh, hey, I want to get better at this. She'll ask me, hey, how's it going? Is there anything I can do? Do you need anything? Are you stuck with anything? Do you need any outside resources that we can look up and provide? And that sort of stuff. So, you know, be there and offer that guidance and assistance as they grow and develop.
1: Yeah, and you should also schedule follow-up discussions or check-ins to review progress. Like,
0: don't just drop this on them. Yeah. Again, like I said, having these regular ones is really great. All right, guys, so... Briefly, we're going to go over a few examples of when and how to provide some smart feedback. So the first one, one we've talked about a lot is performance review scenarios. This is providing specific and measurable feedback sort of on, it could be a completed project. It could be on a regular basis as an employee, that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. And in this case, you would specify the project objectives and highlight specific achievements and or areas for improvement. Yeah.
0: And if it's not end of project performance review, it would be highlight specific personal objectives or performance objectives, and then use measurable criteria to evaluate the quality, effectiveness, and or impact of the outcomes, whether they be for the project or for the performance, like just the regular annual performance, that sort of stuff.
1: Another scenario would be team collaboration. You do things like addressing a specific roadblock and setting achievable goals for improvement.
0: Yeah, this would be something like you would do in a sprint retro, or yeah, retrospective at the end of a sprint. Do this by identifying a specific collaboration issue or challenge that impacted the team's performance.
1: And then you need to collaboratively set smart goals and action steps to overcome the roadblock and enhance the collaboration. That way, when you get to the next Either retrospective or the next collaboration scenario, you actually have changed some things and you can measure it.
0: And then another one, one we've talked about a bit too, is personal development scenario. This is providing relevant feedback on a specific skill or behavior and setting a time-bound action plan for that.
1: Yeah, you should address specific areas for skill development or behavior improvement based on observed and documented performance.
0: Yeah. And then from there, collaboratively establish actionable steps and timelines for skill development or behavior change, whatever it is that's that's needed there. So guys, smart, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound is a framework most often used in goal setting. However, when applied to providing feedback, it will enhance the abilities of the person providing the feedback and allow the recipient to better understand what they need to do to achieve their goals. Using this framework ensures that the items coming from the feedback are actionable, well-defined, and focused on the issue or goal at hand. Whether you are doing performance plans for those working for you, peer or code reviews, or just mentoring someone who may not be as far along as you are, start applying smart framework to your feedback and you will see improvement in reception and accomplishments pretty much all we got. We'll catch you guys next week.
1: If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at Podcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show
0: notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons.
1: You can also follow us on Twitter at Complete Pod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.